Hey friends, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm Angela Donatio, and each week I share compelling conversations with leading voices. They encourage us to ground our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. Together we'll make our lives matter no matter what. Here's this week's episode. Well, today's guest is not only a personal friend of mine who I cannot wait for you to meet, but she's a mom and a pastor's wife and an educator and a certified health coach. And one of the many ways that Angie Grant makes her life matter for the kingdom is to carry the call to foster and adopt. So before you tune out, if you think, oh, that's not for me, listen, Angie teaches that not everyone is called to foster and adopt, but we are all called to do something. So her challenge to us today is what is your something? So I want you to lean in. This is going to be such a powerful and needed conversation. Her greatest joys outside of Jesus and her husband, Stan, are the four that call her mom, three biological and one through the gift of adoption. And now even a greater joy, the two that call her love. Lolly. She has a degree in child and family studies. She's currently on staff of Cloverhill Church right near me, where her and her husband have led for the past 25 years. We're so similar in so many ways. We live in the same state. We pastored for almost three decades together, and she serves as the executive director of Cloverhill Christian Academy located in Mithlopian, Virginia. She's an advocate for foster kids and families, and as an advocate for the Forgotten Initiative, as well as a Cultivate Connection facilitator in her community and beyond. So she serves on the Family First Board, as well as Chesterfield County Colonial Heights Department of Social Services Board. So she has so many different ways that she's bringing her expertise to the table today. And you might ask right now, as some of us would, how does she have time for all of that? Well, she became a certified health coach mainly to get her own life together. So she's bringing also expertise to us of, listen, if we're going to make our life matter, we need to bring a healthiest version. And she wants to see others become the best version of themselves, whether it be in their health, their parenting, leading leaders, she is there for it. So here's our question today. What is our something? Before we get into today's conversation, I want to share with you about the something God has led me to do in this season, and that is attending the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary to go back to school, getting my master's of leadership and ministry. Embedded in Evangel University, AGTS is a leading Pentecostal seminary that specializes in personalizing the deep spiritual truths found in the Word of God and applying them to practical ministry. AGTS is committed to making their program as accessible and affordable as possible, and they've dropped their tuition costs this year by more than 50% for all master's programs. So I'm going to ask you, could this be the something God is calling you to in this season. As a student in their Masters of Leadership and Ministry program, I can confidently say that God is using the resources I'm receiving at AGTS to work in and through my work for the kingdom, including right here on the Make Life Matter podcast. So if God is calling you to take your ministry to the next level, visit agts.edu to learn how the experienced scholars at AGTS can equip and empower you for Christ centered service. And speaking of someone who's living in her something, here's Angie Grant. So Angie, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm so honored to have you here. Oh, thanks so much. It's great to be here with you. 
Well, we have known each other for a really, really long time. Yes. Uh, we won't date ourselves. So probably <laughs> no, no, no. Long as we both, we, we both serve in the same network for those of us that mm-hmm. are listening that may not know that we're both the Summies of God pastors and serve right out here in the Potomac network. And I know people are listening from all over the world. So that's Virginia and the East coast of the United States. So I don't even know the first time I met you, but I've loved you, admired you, been able to be at your church, mm-hmm. speak and share with your women. You carry a lot of roles in the kingdom and, and maybe more, most recently, at least for me, I'm not sure how long ago it was. I saw that it became even more important for you to bring a healthier self to the table, to really steward these, these multiple calls that God has entrusted to you. So I want to start there before we talk about fostering and that call, what, what, why did it become so important to you to kind of pursue your own health coach, you know, uh, journey and now to coach others in their health journey? Sure. Well, well, really the only reason I stepped in one was to lose about 50 pounds. I had about 50 pounds to lose that over time and the stresses of life and all the many roles that I was playing, um, that's where I put energy and effort and I really wasn't taking care of myself at all. And so I really was looking for something transformational. I wasn't interested in anything like yo-yo dieting or, you know, lose the same 10 pounds over and over again, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, And so I really was after, you know, a program that I could attach myself to that really just created better habits in my day to day living. And um, so ventured out, um, became a certified health coach right shortly after my health journey. And I primarily became a coach one because others were noticing the transformation in my own life. And, you know, as women, just like a hair product, right? If it's a good hair product, we want to know about it. Exactly. Um, And so it was a great health program. And so people wanted to know about it. And so I just started sharing. I had no intention of ever coaching, but I thought, you know, this could be kind of fun. And uh, I'm like you, it's like, why not add something else to my plate, right? (laughs) Spend it a little bit much. But the, the flip side of that is that really coaching others has also helped me um, stay accountable to my home to health journey. Mm. Um, And, and so for me, I'm, you know, like anything, we can't tell someone else to do something if we're not doing it or at least with integrity. And so it became real, real important to me to just keep that health coaching piece on the, on the docket one, because it was super fun and helping others just reach freedom in their health, um, coming off of medications and watching people just get healthy. Um, but then secondly, just the accountability part is just, um, uh, you know, been incredible for me to just partner with other people. So yeah, that's been really fun. Well, I've loved seeing your transformation. You were already beautiful, but Uh, 50 pounds is no small feat. No, no, it wasn't. I did it in three and a half months too. Yeah. It wasn't even like a long process. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. A lot of us put on weight during COVID because we house so much and we were maybe not exercising as much, you know, exercise nutrition is a top priority for me. I think anyone, if you're a high capacity leader or really whoever you are Mm -hmm. to bring your best self to the table is just so crucial. And I think, you know, we have one life, we have one body So to steward that well and the accountability piece, because we all need it. I mean, we're all going to have seasons and, and uh, you know, times where we're struggling to keep the momentum moving forward. Mm -hmm. So I love that. And we're going to, I'm going to put your content information, maybe as you listen, not only are some of the other aspects that we talk about going to be something that you want to connect with and 
Angie, but to know how you can move into a healthier self, because that's one of the ways you and I are able to carry multiple really mm-hmm. callings in the kingdom. Um, I would consider us both to be multi-passionate mm-hmm. uh, in that just pastoring a church is, is a lot in and of itself. Mm-hmm. You and Stan have pastored for 25 years. Yeah. It's a long and, time. A long time. So, you know, tell us one of the things you've loved most about pastoring, about leading leaders. What is that? How has that been fulfilling in your life? You know, in looking back at my whole journey, we were before we came to the church that we're at now, which we planted 25 years ago, um, I was a youth pastor's wife. And so we were we were on staff at a church um, in Gloucester, Virginia, and we were there for about five years. And those were the years like those were like my mid 20s you know, my mid twenties to my thirties, I was just telling someone this the other day, but you remember those years where you're just trying to find yourself, like what, what am I good at? What am I not good at? And then the thirties come came. And I think that's when Facebook came, you know, really it started out. And, and do you remember where they had you fill out your profile? Like, who are you and what do you like? And what are your interests? And I mean, I think I shut my computer like a hundred times before I answered that because I'm like, I don't know who I am. You know, I don't know who I am and really just finding myself in ministry. I, I think I, you know, I grew up in the church from 12 on, Um, But I don't necessarily, my husband was called to ministry Mm -hmm. and I don't think I had that same calling to ministry. And so I kind of had to like weave my way in and out of that and try to kind of find out who am I in this big, big picture of, of just what's happening in church world. And so that took many years for me to just say, you know, what am I on this earth to do? I want to make a mark. I want to make a difference but kind of who am I? And I think what I love about pastoring where we're at is uh, the congregation has really allowed me to morph. Mm. Um, and, and really there, there have been no expectations of this is what it looks like, but they've really said, you know, whatever you're passionate about, we're going to back you, we're going to support you. And so over just years, I think I've kind of just I don't want to say fallen into it because that doesn't sound very spiritual, but I do think God used circumstances and things that I did love um, to really just allow me to thrive in the things that um, in the way God wired me. Uh, So that's what I love. I love that uh, the church allows me to be me and that I can uh, come along others in, in the passions that God has given me and equipped me with. I love that, Angie. I'm so glad you said that because I feel like I don't actually interview a lot of pastors and pastor's wives here. And I just want to take a second, if you're listening and you're not a leader, you're not a pastor, a pastor's wife, you're in a church setting somewhere. What Angie just expressed is one of the best gifts that you can give your leader at a church, because to to think that a one size fits all for a pastor and their leadership style or a pastor's wife can feel tremendously um, suffocating. Yes. I'm trying to find the words and I'm like, I'm going to let you find the words. And I think sadly it's led to a lot of burnout. It's led to a lot of loneliness among pastors or otherwise, or it's led to a lot of expectations that should have never been put on them because it wasn't their passion, their personality, all of those things. I feel like if I'm going to travel overseas, which is part of what God has called me to in this season, I do a lot of overseas missions, work and ministry. Now I bring people with me and that's a big part of what I feel like I'm called to do. And the church has released me. They free me to do that. No one's 
gossiping about me if I'm not there on a Sunday. They know if I'm not there, there's a reason I'm not. And I also feel like I take them with me. I want to come home and say, Hey guys, Mm -hmm. River of Life was really on the ground in X country or wherever I was. So that's a gift Mm -hmm. that our churches can give us to say, listen, we're going to be our best to see you be at your best. Not all pastors are tremendous, you know, at evangelism. Maybe they need some other people around them to help do the outreaches. Some are just such great teachers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I love that you shared that because I think not only is it part of your journey and story, but it's, it's also freeing for people to feel like you could look at a leader and a pastor and think, well, it's easy for them. They have it all together. No, we're like, we're figuring it out too. We have to think, okay, what are my core strengths? What do I feel passionate about? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just try something like, oh, I didn't even know that I loved that. So, you know, we're all on the same journey. We don't always have it all, you know, X, Y, Z, exactly where it was going to look like either. And to give each other grace and space mm-hmm. to, to journey with God, I think is so crucial. So I love that you shared that. I could say, what was your worst moment ministry? We've all had them, but we'll keep those for the sidebar yeah. conversations. <laughs> That's for a book. That's for our books. Yes, exactly. (laughs) But there are also wonderful highs and joys. You highlighted one of the best gifts that we can give anyone Mm -hmm. is to say, listen, you be who exactly who God has called you to be. And how Mm -hmm. can I help come alongside that journey? So, so somewhere along your journey, Angie, you felt led to at least go into fostering that turned into adoption. And now you're an advocate and, uh, and help others who think maybe it's not a reality for me to adopt, but what can I do? What is my something, which we want to talk about. So talk us through your journey and how you came to see that fostering was a part of what God was calling you to do and serving the kingdom. Sure. Well, I think it just started one for a love of kids and family. Um, you know, I can remember as a little girl, people would ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it was yeah. always a mommy. I want to be a mommy, a mommy, a mommy. Um, I didn't know I'd be doing this this long, but <laughs> a mommy is what I wanted to be. And so Stan and I just reached a point in ministry where um, I think the easiest way to say it is nothing was really costing us anything anymore. I can remember the I can remember the early days in ministry where church planting and church planting before church planting was a thing. Exactly. Um, it was trendy. <laughs> but it was right. really hard. It's where they really gave hard. you a thousand dollars and said, exactly. I hope this works. Good that luck. was church yeah. planting when yeah. we planted. Um, but I, but I remember going through those times and there were some difficult times, you know, we, we had to, you know, grow the church and figure all that out. And there were definitely stressful times in that season, probably the first five years of, of our church planting experience. Um, and I can remember just being in a groove, um, you know, probably, well, I guess it was about my little guy's 11. So it was about nine years ago of just really being like on cruise. Um, you know, everything was just going well. The church was at a great spot. Um, it was still, it was growing. It was thriving. We had a great staff. Um, and then personally, we just started feeling like, you know, this is almost feeling like too easy. Um, and so the description I, I come up with is nothing was really costing us anything. And not that we wanted to feel pain and not that we wanted, but we were just saying, you know, God, is this all there is? Um, or is there something else that you're wanting us to step out in where we can be stretched and challenged? 
Um, and, and not even necessarily knowing that we were going to be uh, stretched and, and challenged to the degree that we were when we mm. stepped into it. But and then our kids were older. Um, Emily, who is my is our baby, our biological baby was like in middle school. Um, and the boys were almost, you know, out of high school and, um, we were just feeling like, Hey, we've, we've done this parenting thing pretty good. And we've had bumps along the way. It's definitely not perfect, but we felt like that was one of the things that we were kind of good at, um, is just kids and family. And so, you know, we just started praying about what that could look like, how God could use our lives, maybe in a different Um, outside of our church walls too, you know, so much of what we do is ministry. It's focused on the church and growing the people once they come into our doors. But what were we personally doing about um, life outside of our church? Um, And so that became just a real, um, just a time where we were just seeking the Lord. And so we, we really just said, Hey, what about fostering? We knew nothing about fostering. Um, But we just thought, you know, we've got extra bedrooms in our house that aren't being used. We feel like, again, we have the capacity to bring a child in, Um, you know, and so why not? Um, So, again, not a real spiritual answer. We we stepped into fostering because we could um, because we were able. Um, So we went through the classes. and felt really good about it, you know, and, and which is like trauma training. So your area, um, usually there's private agencies. We went with our local department of, of, uh, social services, actually in Richmond city, not even the County that we lived in and went through the classes and, um, and our file sat for an entire year. Oh, wow. No calls, no calls, no children, no nothing. And I'm like, I thought this was a need, you know, what's going on. And so then I thought, well, you know, you just think, well, maybe I missed it. Maybe this isn't what we're supposed to do. Um, And then came the call. Um, Then came the call of our now son. Um, He was our very first placement. And uh, the call went something like, hi, you know, this is a department of social services. We have a little guy that's been at court all day. Um, and it, it's looking like that um, he's going to be removed from his home and is going to need a place to live. And I said, well, tell me a little bit about him, you know, because I'm not really even knowing what to ask. Sure. Um, and they said, well, he's two and he's um, he's wild. That was their their terminology. He's wild. Uh, he's a runner. He's going to need speech, um, but he's really cute. <laughs> that was the last little line. And I don't know if that was because we need you to come get him or what. Yeah. Take a deep um, breath. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, wow. oh, and at that moment, you know, that moment where you, you feel like you're called to something and all of a sudden you're second guessing all of that at the, mm-hmm. in that moment, you're like, I don't know. Am I ready for this? Um, you know, did I miss it? You know, we haven't had a call for a year. Did this mean we weren't supposed to, I mean, all the things just sure. start going through your mind of, Oh my goodness. And I can remember just feeling like, um, you know, a little bit fearful. And I said, well, can I make one phone call to, you know, to my husband just to make sure this is okay? Because probably, um, he, he stepped into fostering because he loves me. Um, not necessarily that he loves children. Like I love children. So, um, I did pull him along kind of kicking and screaming, um, a little bit, but, um, made a phone call and, and he said, yeah, let's do it. 
Um, and I'll never forget that day. I, I walked into that little bitty, tiny little cubicle office and it had to have been a thousand degrees and he'd been there all day oh. and he was playing with these little matchbox cars on the floor and his cheeks were as rosy as all he had on little khaki pants and a little sweater, um, as if he were going somewhere today. Oh. Um, and it was just heartbreaking. And I'll, I'll never forget, you remember the description they gave um, that he was a runner. He he took my hand that night, walked to the van or walked to our car. I buckled him in his little car seat. He was holding a little kitty. Uh, and off we went. And he was asleep within three minutes of pulling out of that parking oh, lot. Wow. So it was precious. I mean, it was precious. But in that moment, I was like, what have I done? Yeah. You know, what have I done? Am I going to be able to do this? Am I equipped? Do I know enough? What's this going to look like? How are my other kids? Like all the questions just start to flood your soul. And then the peace of God um, flooded my soul and said, I have created you for this moment. Uh, for this time. Um, and so much like Esther, you know, for such a time as this. Um, and so at that, at that moment, I just said, Lord, whatever you have, um, just help me, give me wisdom, give us wisdom, give us insight. Um, and it's been a train wreck ever since. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, No, many joys, but many difficulties and many bumps along the way. Um, so that's kind of our little story. We've had several placements. Um, we had a little girl shortly after our little guy came to us. Um, she was the same age as our little guy. And so it was like having twins in the house. Only her trauma was extensively, um, it was a lot. It was a whole lot. And, um, she was in our home for almost three years and then returned home. So that felt a little bit like a death. I can imagine. That felt like that returning home felt felt a lot like a death because she really was part of our family. Um, and that was a really, really hard, hard time um, for us. Then we had a few babies straight from the hospital. Mom was incarcerated, finishing out her jail time. Um, so I would have the baby right from the hospital oh. and, and just be that mommy, be that voice for the first little bit. Um, that was probably one of the most touching for my middle school daughter. It was a newborn. So it was super fun. And, um, I always got the night shift for some reason. Oh. They always got the daytime. I don't think I have the baby ever in the day. Oh. Um, it was during the summer. And, um, I will never forget when we took that baby to meet that mama and my daughter. I mean, we, we, loaded that mama up with anything and everything that she could have imagined. Mm-hmm. And, um, my daughter wrote the mom, um, you know, just this precious letter of just how much that baby meant to her oh. in the four weeks that we had her. And so it was changing. It was changing. And honestly, it was changing us because we went into this thinking we would bring a child into our home and, um, And that we would change the life of a child when in reality, foster care changed who we were. And we saw, we saw what's right in our backyard. Never in our life did we know that this is right in our backyard. And so it just began to give us new eyes to see. And um, my favorite verse just in describing this, and I wrote it down because Um, but it's Proverbs 24, 12, and I'm not even sure of the version, um, but the Lord gave this to me way back, but it was once our eyes were opened, we can't pretend we don't know what to do. God who weighs our hearts and keeps our souls knows what we know and holds us responsible to act. So my eyes 
could not unsee what I saw. Hmm. And so that's held me to that calling. Do we still foster children? No, but I help lots of other ways. And I love those opportunities because even within our own church walls, um, with foster care and adoption, sometimes people tune it out. Like they automatically say, I can't do that. Right. Um, So I like to cast the net really, really wide because what people don't realize is there are so many ways that people can be involved without without actually having um, a child in their home full time. And so that's what I love to share is that we have, especially as ministry leaders, we have this wonderful capacity to mobilize people like no other organization. I don't know of a better organization to mobilize people than the church. The church, that's right. And so um, I have just made it my passion to mobilize churches, whether it's coming alongside other churches to begin a foster care ministry, begin some wraparound ministry that happens within um, already kind of identifying who's fostering or who's adopted within your church walls. I always tell people to start there. Um, because again, that's already within your realm. Um, and anybody can make a meal and anybody can go cut grass and anybody can provide an overnight experience for a kiddo or take a foster kiddo or an adoptive kiddo out for ice cream. Like there's lots of ways that you can come alongside. And, and here's what I know that it takes a village. And because when we entered foster care world, uh, we were doing it alone. I never recommend fostering alone. That village around you is so, so important. And if you don't have that, it is hard. And it typically is a, what they call in foster care world, a one and done. You have one placement and you're never going to do it again. Wow. Not because it's not, it's because it's hard, but it's a different kind of hard. It just requires that whole village to kind of be around you. Hmm. I love that, Angie. I love so many things about your story. And I love that you're honest about, Hey, it's not all parenting is hard period, but carrying the call to foster. And in your case, also to adopt, you're not shying away from the fact that it has had some hard moments. I'm sure it's also had moments of great beauty and joy. And like you said, bringing your, your whole family, I mean, your daughter, writing that letter. I mean, how impactful is that, you know? Mm -hmm. And I also love that you're sharing with us, you know, I've had a heart for fostering. It wasn't something that we felt like could be a reality. And you're challenging me to think, you know, we don't have a foster care. uh, We don't have a wraparound even program at our church. So one of the things I want to do to be intentional, you know, after even this call is to say, all right, Angie, what are my next steps as a pastor's wife, as a pastor on staff, what can we do? There might be to identify some families in our church who could adopt or, or foster, and there might be ways that we can partner with our community. Would that be something that you would recommend? Okay, check with your state or local foster care agency. What is like a first step for someone who's listening going, well, maybe this might be a call that I want to look into? Sure, sure. I, you know, that when, when we started fostering, um, I realized how much one I didn't know. Um, and so I, I kind of am a researcher by nature and I knew that 
someone else was doing this had to be right. Sure. Um, and so that's how I became um, an advocate with the Forgotten Initiative, which if you're familiar mm. with Life Song for Orphans, yes, um, that is actually the foster care leg to their ministry. Okay. Um, so um, I just applied to be an advocate and that simply means an advocate in your local area where you will then um, go into your local department of social services um, or DFS or whatever they call it. They call it different, different things in different states um, and basically partner with that agency. Um, and I, I'll tell you a quick story about that. They were scared to death of me when I, when I came in and, and told them, this is what we want to do. And they're like, oh, there's the crazy lady. You know, <laughs> she wants to help because I think churches are known for coming in and, um, um, assuming what a need is, and maybe they already do the project before they actually ask what the need is. Um, yeah. Inevitably, I'll get phone calls. Hey, Angie, this church just dropped off, you know, 5,000 coloring books with crayons. You know, can you come get it? Or do you have somewhere for it to go? You know, those kind of things. And again, well-meaning people. Right. People mean well. But really yeah. not saying, you know, what is it you need? How can we come alongside of you? And really kind of listening to the heartbeat of the department. Um, And so that's what we've done for the last nine years is partnered with our local um, department and saying, you know, what, what could we do? And I, I feel like just having somebody on the outside coming in saying, you know, dream a little, what could it look like? Mm. Um, We currently, a, a fun thing, a fun new thing that we've been doing for the last several years is throwing adoption parties right at the courthouse. After adoptions get finalized, we have a little room right outside the courtroom. Um, We provide gifts for the the kiddo that got adopted. We provide a photographer to just capture the day. Um, We do like a lunch and a cake and a celebration that just says we believe in family and you've, you know, God has placed you in this family and it's forever. It's your forever family. And just really, again, Mm -hmm. connecting with those families to know, hey, you have a resource here. And so that's come out of just dreaming. And wouldn't it be cool if... Um, so it really sky's the limit with this stuff. Like you really can do anything you want to do. Yeah. They can put the blank, fill in the blank of what is the something, you know, detail person. Wait, I'm just curious. Do they let you know, wait, Hey, we have an adoption happening today. Yes. And and then you're able to have go in and do that. That is really extraordinary. And it sounds like that was not happening before you. Wow. Again, because I feel like churches are typically good at one little project. But, you know, over time, one, they knew I wasn't going away. Yes. I said, we're here, but we're here to stay. Mm. You know, the relational aspect of what we have as believers in Jesus to bring to the table says, I want to do life with you. I want to come up close. You know, there's thousands of organizations that are doing the stuff. Yeah. Right. Stuffed animals, books. We can do organizations can do stuff like that. As believers, we have this ability to connect with people and move them along in their spiritual journey. And so that's what we've been able to do. I, I'm privileged with the director of uh, social services. I pray with her every Monday morning. Mm -hmm. I call her at eight o'clock every Monday morning and just pray for her week. And again, it's just that constant being consistent of where we are and what we can do as a community. And so, you know what, when there's a need, they know who to call. Yes. And that's what I would challenge. I would say if your church didn't exist, 
in your area, would your community miss you? Wow. Wow. That's now I'm getting crazy. a little preachy. No, like I'm just, <laughs> and I'm thinking for me, like my brain is spinning, like all these things. And we have like, you know, quarterly women's nights. And I'm like, I'm going to have Angie come to the next one. And I'm going to have her share. And I want to have her because we always want to partner with a way that we can be more involved with our community. And mm-hmm. uh, I just think that you're even opening my eyes to ideas I would have never thought about. Mm-hmm. I think we think, oh, I can't foster. It's not, it's not, um, you said earlier on, we have the capacity to do it. Yes. So maybe someone's saying, I don't have the capacity to do it. But what you're showing us is you can do, there's so many things. The something can be small or large. And before we just give something, let's ask what they need. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of the work I've done in Africa. I've been in Africa almost 20 times now. I'm there for the long haul. They know, especially in Ghana, they know me. And so now it's developed into education initiatives or other things, but some people it's a one and done. They come, they promise the moon, they never come back, you know, and, and you got to work with the people you want to raise up indigenous leaders. It's got its whole, yes, a whole thing there that the Mm -hmm. more you're, but it's relational. Like you're saying, Mm -hmm. the greatest success is going to be relationally over time. Again, there's a lot of humanitarian causes and things doing stuff. Right. Right. Say that together. But what are we supposed to be doing, bringing the kingdom to them Mm -hmm. and, and doing things that matter for the kingdom? So I just appreciate not only your personal story, it's obvious how passionate you are. If you're watching, you can see her eyes light up talking about this, but also to to say, now this is going to be my life. Part of my life work and life call is to advocate because people's lives are changed through this. And then we know it's on the heart of God because it's all throughout scripture. And so how can we steward this call? Well, whether it's to foster, to adopt, or to, to be a wraparound, to come alongside, like you said, to cast a wide net and let's just dream and think differently and not let fear or intimidation. I also love something you said earlier. I know we're almost out of time, but I think this was so insightful for people. We might wait until we get the peace of God to do something. Mm-hmm. Now, if he's called you and you know, you've done it, you've applied yourself, you took the classes, then you waited. And waited and waited. And then a lot of doubt creeps out. Well, maybe I miss God. Maybe I wasn't yeah. after all. Yeah. But then when you did get the call and you're, you're, you're buckling this little guy in the car seat, like waves of like, what have I done? It's coming over you. Then the peace of God came. Mm-hmm. What I love about that is if we always just wait until we have complete peace, we may not ever step out in faith. Mm-hmm. You know, leadership means risk, you know, and trusting God that you've called me to do this. You know, is it easy for me every time I step off a plane in a foreign country? No, but if I know he's called me to do it, I embrace that discomfort. I hold that tension that's implied there. I also know that there's going to be tremendous reward on the other side of it because he's Mm -hmm. called me to do it with all of its, all of the train wreck it can be at times and all of the exhilaration it can be at times. So I just want to encourage you if you're listening, listen, do what God has called you to do. Ask him, what is my something? What is my something? And okay. Angie and I were chatting beforehand. We're not all called to foster. We're not all called to go to Africa. We're not all called to do X, Y, or Z. We're all called to do something. Right. And so um, recognizing my life might be a little bit comfortable. When when I was leading worship, which I did for 20 years, someone was asking about it one day, Angie, and I said, oh yeah, I could lead worship in my sleep. And mm. as soon as I said that, I was like, mm. oh, yeah. God's going to call me out of this. Yeah. Yeah. Not long after, because he never wants us to just be on autopilot. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And be so comfortable that there's just no sacrifice of the call. There's no, or no dependency, no dependency, no dependency on, God. on God. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No yeah. learning curve. No God. I cannot do this without you. That's you right. know, we'll stay in our own comfort zones as for a yeah. long time, but we yeah. are very, there are things I think that, yes, we bring our own skills and strengths, but without dependency on God, then we are just doing it ourselves. So if there's a place where you feel like, oh, this is just so easy for me, so comfortable, where's a way that we could let God stretch us a little bit more? So yeah. I just thank you for saying everything you've said, because what you're saying is so much broader to our lives than just the call to foster and adopt. Mm-hmm. These are these are lifelong kingdom principles that we can apply in every area of our life. So I know you personally, I know you're the real deal, <sighs> but I'm also grateful that you're just sharing your story with, with all of our listeners today. I want to ask you to pray for us in just a moment, but I always like to ask one last question. And that is, you know, you're not only inspiring us today, but you're really literally changing lives and making life matter in so many ways. But other than Jesus, Angie, who in the Bible most inspires you to make life matter? Yeah. So I I was thinking about this question and I would have to refer back to Esther. I, Mm. I love Esther in that she really, um, didn't really know the plan. Um, but she knew there was one, right. And, and also that she just found God's favor in her assignment. And so, you know, God's favor isn't something that I seek after, but, but as my story is unfolded, just like Esther's, I think over time, God begins to enlarge those territories and give you great favor for the things that he's gifted you and called you to and given you a purpose and a hope for. And so I think Esther's an amazing um, example of that. And also, she's also just a, um, a reminder for me on the daily that God uses people. He uses people, um, normal people like me and you. Um, we don't have to be uh, something or someone we're not. Um, but he works through events in our lives. And just like Esther's life, he worked through her and she also used her influence to help others. And so in ministry, obviously, whether we want to be or not, we're people of influence. And so I've just said, God, you know, wherever I can be an influence, um, allow my life. And I think that's what Esther did. She just said, God, I'm going to use my life uh, to bring glory to you and to help other people along the way. Oh, I love it. And how appropriate Esther was an orphan. I mean, yeah, an orphan, yeah. it was her uncle that was so instrumental in, in her life. And she was, and, and that was thrust upon her. You know, we read these stories and kind of read them sometimes like like fairy tales, but that was yeah. a hard, a really hard situation that she was put in the middle of, and she rose at the occasion and just and took risks. She took, she took tremendous risks. risks. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I, and I wonder sometimes if we would risk more what our lives might look like. Mm, I yeah. agree with you on that yeah. and, and what the lives of others would look like because of it. Yes. On the other yeah. side of great risk is, I mean, look at, look at the first century church, look at I mean, mm-hmm. you're talking about tremendous risks, Old and New Testament. Mm-hmm. So I, I appreciate that. I, I love her for so many reasons, but I like the reminder. You said it more than once today. We, we sometimes feel very ordinary and we feel like, what can I possibly, what dent can I make in these, these um, 
challenges of our culture, Mm -hmm. but that can be a place the enemy causes us to get stuck because we feel so overwhelmed or so insignificant. We do nothing. And what you're reminding us is God can take our ordinary and he breathes the extraordinary on it. He breathes the super into our natural. And if we will just put our yes on the table, then he will meet us in that place and reminding us of that today to just He's no respecter of persons. Angie knew nothing about fostering and adoption. And now she's an advocate for it and telling you as an expert. So let's just start somewhere, start somewhere and do something. That's just the thing. Where can we start? You know, what, what's our something that we can bring to the table? What do you feel uniquely passionate about? What gets your blood going? What, what keeps you up at night? What, what comes across your newsfeed? And you just think, I wish I could do something about that. I would lean in a little bit more. That might be where the Holy spirit is tugging mm-hmm. at your heart and, uh, and, and maybe then seeking out where, you know, what can people do before you pray for us, Angie, how can people connect with you? I know it, we could say they can call their local, um, you know, foster care and uh, social services and ask how they can be a part of things. I'm going to be more intentional about this moving forward, but, but they also may want to connect with you, not only for health and, and their own personal health journey, but also to know how they could take some next steps. So I know you said probably emailing would be the best situation and I'll put this Mm -hmm. in our show notes as well. So what email would you like for them to reach you on? Sure. Um, Yeah, I would love, you know, reach out any resources. I I love to resource people, give, you know, added reading, you know, material and things like that. If you're just wanting to kind of dive in and find out more about what, what it looks like. Um, but the best email to reach me at is agrant at cloverhill.academy. Um, so I'd love to hear from you, love to help and be a resource in any way that I can. Thank you so much, Angie. I'm so grateful for you, not only as a friend and someone that I've known and admire your, your leadership and your ministry, but just also um, grateful for your voice and the kingdom and mm. the way you advocate and uh, the way you encourage us to do to do our part. And uh, so thank you for sharing your time and your expertise yes, and your story. Yes, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so oh, much. Well, we're blessed to have you. So pray over our listeners, especially for someone who's, maybe they're not even sure what their something is Yeah, just to lean into listening to the Holy spirit in this next season and to know, uh, God, whatever, whatever you have for me, I want to just give you my yes. So thank you so much. And, and just pray for us as we close today. Sure. Sure. Father, we just thank you for this time that we've had together, Lord. And I pray for everyone that's listening or has listened um, to this little segment. God, I just pray, Lord, that you would speak to the hearts of every every ear that that was just under the sound of my voice. God, I I pray and I thank you that father you have ordained and you do ordain the steps of your people, God. And I pray that you would just um, help us to find our something to examine our hearts and seek you in, in finding uh, what you've placed us here on earth to do and to be a part of God. And Lord, we weren't just placed here to sit. We were placed here to uh, be in action and to mobilize God. And I just pray that you reveal what those things are, God, and that that if if anyone is even considering fostering God, that that they would really seek you first, God, and and that they would hear your heart um, in all things, God. And Father, I'm just so thankful today, Lord, that you use your people, that you work through events in our lives to bring glory and honor to you, Lord. And I pray that you would allow us to use everywhere that we influence our own spheres of influence, Lord, for your glory and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Connect with me at angeladenadio.com, Facebook at Angela Donatio VOV, and Instagram at Angela Donatio. Until next week, let's make life matter.